بسم الله بسم الله Both are obligatory once in a lifetime based on five prerequisites which include Okay so here we're talking about of course Hajj he says fardu kifaya kullu amin means there should be someone from the ummah that's making Hajj in general as a as a collective body there should be people that go to make Hajj there should not be a year that passes without Hajj being performed as it pertains to the community at large the individual then uh it's ruling uh we're going to get to that what 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 is the ruling of hajj for you as an individual that will come up later he also mentions some interesting historical facts he says not only is uh, hajj one of the uh pillars of islam one of its uh like fundamental uh physical acts of worship uh it also combines financial elements of worship but it was obligated the ninth year of the hijra calendar of course this is based on the majority's opinion umrah is also something which is an obligation and many people get confused about that so there's two different things of course he covers the definitions of these two things the hajj he says wa huwa qastu makkata li amalin makhsus fi zaman makhsus that is actually the islamic technical definition of hajj right the technical definition is to intend mecca or to journey to mecca to do specific actions at a specific time and umrah the definition of umrah is ziyaratul bayt ala wajhin makhsus which is basically to visit the house in a very particular manner and then he mentions the next uh step which would be the conditions um these conditions number 5 the first of those dr ali islam sanity it is not valid from a disbeliever or the insane even if the guardian were to make ihram on their behalf okay so here the first two of these conditions islam and al-aql islam being muslim and being sane of sound mind these two conditions uh must be met in order for hajj to be an obligation if you are not muslim it's not an obligation for you to go If you are Muslim but you are not sane, you are not of sound mind, it's not an obligation for you to go. These two also represent conditions of validity. So you have condition of obligation and validity. Normally there's a condition more than one type of condition, there's there's obligation, there's validity and there's um acceptability. Okay? Go ahead. So basically let's let me just so you understand what I mean by that. If you are Muslim, um if you're if you're not Muslim, you're not obliged to go. If you do happen to go as a non-Muslim, it's not valid. Okay? A non-Muslim does go and says, "I'm going to do the Hajj with you. I learned about all the steps, etc., etc." and he does performs the rites. Guess what? He's not obliged and because he's not Muslim, it's not valid. The next person is the mentally uh ill or someone not of sound mind number 1 he's not obliged number 2 if he happens to go like um their guardian uh carries them around with them walks them through the rites has them throw repeat after me that and they're doing the actions 
it's not valid. Okay? So these two things, Islam and sound, sound in, uh, mind, are conditions for, uh, for obligation and for validity. Next. Puberty and complete freedom. Okay. It is valid for a minor or a bondservant. Mm -hmm. The minor's guardian is to make a haram on their behalf. It will not suffice either of them for their obligatory hajj or amrah. Okay, so these two, number three and number four, it says al-bulugh, which is to reach puberty. And we know puberty has a number of signs. There are four very specific signs for a person to reach puberty. Um, then you have kamal al-hurriyah, to be completely free, that you're not a bondservant. Right, and that's theoretical. This is theory for us now. These two conditions, number three and number four, are conditions of wujub and uh, ijzat which is uh, acceptability, not acceptability, I want to say... Discharging? They, they, perfect. To discharge, exactly. Um, of obligation and discharge, meaning you've discharged the obligation, you've discharged, you've been credited for the action to count basically for your obligation. So, number one is if you haven't reached puberty, you're not obliged to go. Okay, if you haven't reached puberty, you're not obliged to go. If you do go under the age of puberty, it will not count as your obligatory hajj. Will it be valid? If a prepubescent boy or girl goes for hajj, will it be valid or invalid? It will be valid. So if you take your eight-year-old with you, Mumayyiz, he's aware, you take him with you, you run through the, all of the uh, rites and rituals, it will count for him as a hajj, but when he reaches puberty, guess what he has to do, or she? They have to complete the hajj of Islam, the obligatory hajj. The same thing goes for the uh, bond servant. Um, they can make hajj, they're not obliged to, but if they do, it will give them, it will count for reward, but it will not suffice them for their obligatory hajj. Okay, go ahead. It says, So basically, the, uh, the guardian of the young person is to um, make ihram for them. That doesn't mean, the ihram is not the clothing part. The ihram is the intention part, to enter into the nusuk, right? The, the, the rites and rituals to begin those things. Go ahead. The fifth is capability i.e. owning provisions and suitable transport or possession of what is sufficient to obtain it, so long as it is in addition to what is required of books, dwellings, servants, and both personal and familial expenses necessary for survival. All right, cool. We'll stop there for a second. Uh, so the next condition is um, the ability to do so. And this is a uh, condition of obligation not of discharge. So if you do not have the ability, you're not obliged to go. If you do not have the ability, but you still go, it will count for you as your Hajj of Islam. Okay, you see what happened there in those, with those uh, five different conditions. Let's check it out. There's actually six conditions. One is particular to females, and we'll get to that shortly. So the first one we said was what? What do we say? Islam. 
Number two, we said what? Puberty. Puberty. Number three, we said? Sanity. What? This is not right here. Sanity is number two. Yep. Sound mind. Number three is? Puberty. Puberty. Number four is? What? Freedom. Number five is? Capability. All right, we got those five conditions up there. We'll get to number six by the Gigatain. All right, so if we, if we put this on a little chart, you know how I love charts. So any opportunity I get to do a chart, I just do one. It's obligatory. It's obligatory. E. The next one was what? Validity. And the last one we said was? Acceptance. I like that. Acceptance. Acceptance of Hajj, capitals, the Islam, your, 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 uh, your pillar. Acceptance of the pillar. So now, we got these categories. If you're able to visualize it, I find that it's, it, it sticks with you a little bit longer than if you just remember, try to remember the wording, right? You can get a picture in your head, it tends to stick with you. So we said that Islam and sound mind are conditions of, of what? Oblig uh, obligatory nature as well as validity. We said puberty and freedom were what? We said obligatory and acceptance of Hajj. We said capability is what? Obligatory. See? So it's degrading as you go down in the, in the lists. Um, most important up here because you're talking about is it valid or invalid. Down here, puberty and freedom, the next two, uh, the next couple, now you're talking about will it count for your main, your, your, your hajj, your obligatory pillar of Islam or not. And then the last two are going to be just if it's obligatory or if it's obligatory or not. So essentially, as I said before, here, if you don't have the capability, which we're going to talk about now, but you decide to go anyway, it still counts for you. What that means is you made hajj and you have um, shirked some of your responsibilities. He defines uh, the capability to be um, the ability to possess Zad, which is what? Zad is your provisions uh, to go and to return for food and for drink, for clothing, and also your mode of transportation, something that's suitable to you, okay? Something that's suitable to you in your socioeconomic bracket, right? So if you are a person uh, that, that is um, a high-class person, you, you, you are, you are um, what, the, what do they call this, the middle class, upper class, for example, you're an upper-class upper person, but you can't afford to take upper-class means of transportation or something that is suitable to who you are, you can only afford to um, walk or ride a bike or ride a train. You don't travel in trains, you travel in planes. Or to take a ship, you're not obliged to go because that's not how you travel. 
Okay? If you're a person that does those types of things because that's all you can afford, then that is uh, appropriate for who you are. And of course, this is for someone um, that, that, that this particular condition applies to those that live far away from Mecca that their journey would allow them to shorten their prayers. Or that you possess something that with it you could obtain those things, like you have something you could liquidate. You have some properties. You have some investments. You could liquidate those assets in order to purchase um, the, the necessary provisions and transportation that you need. And of course, all of, this, um, all of this money that you basically need has to be in excess of what you, what you're, what you regularly require. Okay, so this is where it gets tricky. He mentions uh, books of knowledge, kutubu ilmin, books of knowledge, and this Imam al-Ba'li, rahimahullah, he has done this a numerous times throughout his book, highlighting, and this of course is Wifq al-Hanabila, right? This is the Hanbali Madhab in general, and their um, uh, glorification, uh, magnification of knowledge. Is that they add this stuff, the, the books of knowledge as being not a secondary item, but a primary item. That you have books of knowledge, this is a primary, uh, this is like a need, he says. Right, it's in excess of what he actually needs. So he mentioned some things, books of knowledge, not like books of, not storybooks like Harry Potter and stuff, um, you know, but books of Islamic knowledge. Uh, uh, when it comes to also housing, meskin, having a house that is appropriate for the person, right? You can say, I could make, I could, I could, I could live in a house that is befitting to who I am and not go to Hajj, or I have to go live in a shack in order to go make Hajj, right? So it would put a person in a, in a put them in a, in, a, in a burdensome situation, and Islam doesn't require us to burden ourselves to that extent. We do burden ourselves, but not to an extent where, you know, it's above and beyond. He also says, an khadim li nafsihi, having a servant, right? And this was something that was quite uh, prevalent, uh, and it still is very prevalent depending on where you are in the world, that you have a servant, you need to pay them. And also those that are he's responsible to take care of, um, uh, and those from his family, things that he has to uh, have long-term uh, care for, like um, his his products or his real estate or or his his manufacturing or whatever it may be. And also after he has paid off his obligations, minadluyun, if he has debts, whether they're hala. Um, Debts that are due immediately or mu'ajjala, debts that are over a period of time, right? If you have a long, like a debt, they gave you uh, an extended period to pay it back. They said, look, you can pay me back over the period of five, six, seven, eight, nine years. This has to be taken into consider consideration first. So if you have an excess, this is what we're looking at, right? In terms of the money that you're going to calculate for your hajj. Um, and also as zakah, any types of money that's for zakat and any type of money that is, uh, that is associated with an oath. Okay? So here, capability, I want to I wanna graph this here, all right, in terms of capability. So if we have a capability um, factor, a meter, capability meter, okay? And um, how much is Hajj? 18. 18? Okay, let's say for the individual. Nine. Nine? Okay. 
That's how. If it, that's that's decent. If you want to go in style. Ten. Is there? Twenty-four. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's say we'll go in the middle, but we'll also let's say like nine or ten. So let's say our our height today is ten k. And we want to determine whether we have we've met the fifth condition of capability. So the first thing that we have to do is look at our life right now without hajj. Do I have enough to meet my 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 basic necessities, right? Basic needs. Okay. Do I have enough to meet my obligations? So here, let's say uh, your basic needs, you gotta think about housing, you gotta think about clothing, you gotta think about et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So let's say uh, in a period of a month, what do you think that might be? Let's say 5,000, you're a modest person. 5K. Now you have obligations. You might have some loans, outstanding loans. You might have some the cat money that's pending. You might have some oaths that you took. I'm going, I swear, I take an oath to pay an excess such and such amount. So let's say um, you have an outstanding debt of, oh my God, it's tuition, it's my mortgage, it's my car payment, there's my et cetera. But let's just say, for example, um, 10K, some loans, let's just keep it easy. Keep it light, you had 10K. So right now, we gotta get to 15K. And this also basic needs means the people that I'm responsible for. So if I'm gonna go make hajj, I'm gonna leave behind my children, I'm gonna leave behind my wife, or my spouse, um, I'm gonna leave behind, um, you know, someone I'm taking care of. I have to meet their basic needs as well. I have to leave them something, I can't leave them stranded. So I have to look and see what I have. Once I meet my 15K, then I have to have the additional 10K to make the Hajj. So this 10K, it cannot chew into this portion here. You can't leave your responsibilities in order to qualify here for an obligation. Can you do it? You can. You can go because it's not going to interrupt these two Categories, it'll be valid and it'll be acceptable to count as your Hajj for Islam. Are you obliged to go? Well, you have to meet all the conditions in order to be obliged. Okay? So, because you don't have the capability, you're not obliged to go. Next. What does he say? Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> Whoever meets these prerequisites is required to go immediately so long as the way is safe. If they are unable to go due to old age or chronic illness, a free proxy, even a female, must perform both on their behalf if they are obligations. It is not, it is not valid for someone who has not completed Hajj to perform the obligatory vowed or voluntary Hajj. All right, stop right there. So uh, the Medhab is, uh, the, uh, the opinion of the Medhab is that the moment that you um, meet the conditions, these five right here, and we'll talk about the six coming shortly. The moment that you meet these conditions, you're Muslim, you're of sound mind, you've reached puberty, you're totally free, you have the capability, it's an obligation to go. Meaning you can't delay. Say, so you know what, I got everything, but I want to take a vacation to um, Disney World instead. 
or I want to, you know, go travel to see family instead, or I'd rather just um, clock in some extra hours at work instead, or I'm just not up to it. Just not feeling it this year. No. Here, the Medhab's position is very clear that Hajj, when you meet the conditions, it's something that you have to do immediately. If you do not do it while you are able, it's sinful. So something that has to be done right away in order to fulfill the obligation. So long as, he says, the way is safe. Right here, so it's kind of a secondary condition. You have all of the primary conditions, but guess what? Uh, it's the, the, the area is uh, in uproar. There's civil unrest. Um, your country, there's no way to get out without possible trouble. Uh, so in this case, uh, your travel would require a guard service. In order for you to travel safely, you may need to employ a guard service. And of course, in this case, it's not obligatory for you to go. He says, If they're unable to do it uh, due to old age or a sickness that they, uh, like that, we called that, not terminal illness, but chronic illness. A chronic illness. What was the translation say? Chronic. Oh, great. Alhamdulillah. Got it right on that one. A chronic illness, lazimahu and yuqima naiban hurran, walau kana naiban ra'a. He has to basically employ a proxy, a free proxy, meaning they can't be bond service, a, a free proxy, even if the proxy be female, uh, in place of a male. Uh, and this, there's no karaha here whatsoever. Uh, they have to perform hajj and umrah for them. Uh, wherever it may be an obligation. Okay? So if you, these are the conditions in which uh, you're allowed to appoint a proxy, someone that's unable to do it due to old age, someone that is sick, someone is chronic, that has a chronic illness, or even someone that is unable to travel, like physically unable to travel, like due to a deficiency in their, in their physical ability, like um, they talk about in the old times they're unable to mount their horse without great difficulty or they're unable to mount and if they dismount they can't mount again etc etc it's a great difficulty and a burden for them then in this case uh they can go that's not because of old age and it's not because of disease or sick chronic illness it may be because uh, they're missing a limb or they're paralyzed or something like that physical a physical problem he says next part go ahead dr ali it's not valid. It is not valid for someone who has not completed Hajj to perform the obligatory, vowed, or voluntary Hajj on behalf of another. If they do so, it will be counted as their own obligatory Hajj. There is an additional sixth prerequisite. All right, stop there. So here, your proxy, if you are going to appoint a proxy, you have to appoint a proxy that has already made their Hajj, the, the Hajj al-Islam. Right, you have to appoint the proxy that's already, that's already fulfilled this pillar. If they have not fulfilled this pillar of Islam, then their making hajj on your behalf is automatically, um, automatically converted to theirs, to their hajj. And that means you would need to appoint another proxy at a later date. The next condition, number six. There is an additional sixth prerequisite for females. They must find a husband or mahram of legal capacity and can afford both their provisions and transport. If they are not able, they are to appoint a proxy. If they make hajj without a mahram, 
it is considered valid through, though impermissible. All right, so the last condition is number six, that is to have, and this is, as I said, specific to females, and that is the presence or the accompaniment of a mahram. Where does this fit on the scale, on the chart, I should say, of oblig oblig obligatory nature, validity, or acceptability? Where does this fit? Acceptable. One check, two checks, or three? Uh, two. Zero. Validity two. Just one. Two. Just one. Where's the one? Obligatory. Okay, let's go through them all. Obligatory. So, you have to have a mahram for it to be obligatory, okay? Do you have to have a mahram for it to be valid? No. Do you have to have a mahram for it to be accepted as your hajj of Islam? No. So, here we can fill in these with X's. This means it's not a requirement for these things, right? So, a female, if she wanted to make hajj and she didn't have a mahram, it's not obligatory for her to go. It's not obligatory. If she did go, it would be valid and it would be acceptable. However, because it's impermissible for a woman to travel a certain distance, which is um, the Masafat al-Qasr, which is the distance permitted for you to shorten your prayers, according to the Madhab, 85 miles. If you travel beyond that, it's considered sinful. So he says, highlighting that, he says, Bila mahramin haruma. It's impermissible, meaning sinful, though it is acceptable. Meaning acceptable in terms of it being the Hajj of Islam. Not acceptable in terms of a, a sinful act that we just say, hey, let's all do that. Sinful act, acceptable to us, morally. No, acceptable in terms of it counting for you as your Hajj. So the Mahram, by the way, there's some little details to be noted about this. The Mahram... Or he says, he says, لَهَا زَوْجًا He says, وَهُوَ أَن تَجِدَ لَهَا زَوْجًا أَوْ مَحْرَمًا So it's either your husband for the woman, it's either your husband you're currently married to, or a mahram. Which basically the mahram is someone that you're permitted to, mahram al-safar, the one that you're permitted to travel with. And this is the person that it's impermissible for you to marry. Um, eternally. Meaning that you couldn't marry them regardless the situation. Um, for example, from your from your from your kin, like your like your father or your son, or or bisabab kibni zojiha, like your 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 son your your stepson, wa uh, abi, um, or his father. They have to be, of course, mukallaf. They have to be of uh, mukallaf means aqil wa balik. They have to be of sound mind and they have to be of the age of puberty. So you can't take your little son that's like eight years old and say, This is my mahram. He's an eight year old. He hasn't reached puberty. No. A, per a boy in Islam can reach puberty by 10. By 10 years old, he can reach puberty. So the earliest he's, and a girl could reach puberty by nine. So the earliest this your son is going to reach puberty is 10 years old. So if you're bringing along a nine year old, then more than likely he's not pubescent. So he has to be 10 or more, and the, the, latest, the, the, the latest he could be is 15. If he reaches 15, he's pubescent, regardless of the other signs of puberty. So these are a couple of things. He also mentions here, he says, He has to be Muslim. 
right? He has to be male, Muslim, and even if he's a bondservant, it doesn't matter. Freedom or bondservant doesn't matter. So he has to be Muslim because it's not valid. Al-Mahrumiyyah is not valid for a kafir. And this is min mufradat al-madhab, specific to the madhab here. The other madhab, they say that it doesn't matter if they're Muslim or not Muslim. If they're your father or your etc., 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 they're not Muslim, they're still your mahram. But uh, for the madhab's purposes, they have to be Muslim. And you'll find that some of the Hanabila themselves differed in regards to this opinion. Um, not a major difference, a slight difference. They said, if the person, if the, if your, the mah- what would be your mahram is of a different faith, as long as that faith does not hold illicit views of family members, then it's permissible for them to be your mahram, like al-majus. They used to say that their daughters were permissible. So in this case, it's not appropriate for you to travel alone with your dad. This is what they used to believe. So some of the Hanabid, I think Ibn Qudami, even though he takes the position that it's not, he mentions this as one of the differing views, if I'm not mistaken. Could be. More than likely not. And that wraps up this chapter.